What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here bringing another Productivity in Tech podcast, and I am excited for the guest that I have today, James Dempsey. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm doing great. In just a second, James is going to tell us all about the things that he's doing. But first, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by ConfTalks.dev. If you're a developer like me, then you're, you already have so many things on your plate. And you probably forgot to do your weekly review. Otherwise, you would have remembered that there's a CFP call coming up for that conference that you want to give a talk at. ConfTalks.dev is here to help solve that problem. By sending you a gentle email saying, hey, remember that conference that you wanted to give a, a talk at? It's CFP is coming up. Make sure you log in and submit your talk. Um, you simply just go to the website, add the conference that you want to be reminded of. We do all the stuff on the back end. We actually look up when the dates are and we send you reminders based on that information. And of course, it wouldn't be a great web application if you could only look at the conferences that you put in. In fact, we have an algorithmic based system that allows you to set what kind of conferences you want to be notified about, as well as how far, how large and how much they would cost to attend. So for more information on that, visit conftalks.dev. And by the way, that is a new project that I have started, just like all the other ones that we have. And if you're interested in sponsoring the show, please let me know. But that is not why you came to listen to this podcast. You wanted to hear from my guests. So James, I'm just going to let you take it away and tell everybody a bit about yourself. Hi, my name is James Dempsey. Um, I worked at Apple for about 15 years. I joined about nine months before Steve Jobs returned, and I left Apple about six weeks before he passed away. So I was at Apple during that whole upswing the from the iPod to the iPhone, iPad, and beyond. That was a fantastic time to be there. And then uh, since leaving Apple, I've been uh, out on my own as an indie doing contracting, consulting, uh, writing iOS apps. Um, also, uh, I am the front man of a band called James Dempsey and the Breakpoints. We're a, a nerdy band that does uh, songs, humorous songs about uh, software programming. And I also am a uh, co-host of a podcast called The Weekly Review, uh, where we, where G my co-host Gene McDonald and I uh, talk about um, our ups and downs in trying to get our lives organized, mostly around the getting things done principles. And uh, that's enough for now. <laughs> <laughs> So I asked Gene the same question. Um, unfortunately, when we recorded Gene's interview, it was in the middle of the week, so the answer was an easy no. But here we were at the end of the work week uh, at the time of recording this. So have you done your weekly review, or do we still have a few days before that happens? I'm actually happy and proud to say yes. Uh, I did my weekly review this morning. Um, in fact, earlier today, Gene and I uh, recorded our 50th episode. Oh wow! Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's been uh, 
coming up on a year that we've been doing it and uh we've managed to put out an episode every week so that's been uh it's been great for uh keeping us accountable to each other and to the audience in terms of um trying to uh make a go of it and making our lives more organized so i only started listening to the weekly review maybe three months ago i started about three months ago and i don't know what led me to it because i'm definitely not the type to do a new year's resolution um so that Mm -hmm. definitely wasn't it even though i guess the, the dates coincide but just wondering how did the idea of of getting a podcast to become accountable for doing something that uh david allen says you should do daily, weekly, monthly, annually, you know, mm-hmm. all the time. How did that come to be? Um, so, uh, well, Gene and I um, have collaborated putting on a concert during WWDC week called Live Near WWDC. Um, we could talk about that later, maybe. But um, last year around this time, maybe a little earlier, um, the Apple's WWDC dates were announced And uh, so she gave me a call so we could coordinate. And I told her that I had just read this book called Getting Things Done. And I knew it had been out forever, but I had only just gotten around to reading it. And it really resonated with me. And I was really excited about getting started doing, kind of trying this thing out. And she said, oh, yeah, I've read that about 15 years ago. And I've tried it six or seven times. And I've always kind of fallen off. She said, but I'd do it again if I had a uh, like a, a GTD buddy to do it with. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. And then she said, you know, why don't we just make it a podcast? And I said, all right, that sounds great. And I was very excited about that. And, um, you know, we fleshed it out a little. And I don't know, three or four weeks later, we had a we had a podcast. So I... I always laugh when people say, yeah, you know, I, I read GTD and, and I, I wanted to give it a try. And it's interesting that still to this day, I almost out of just spite for the idea, I have still not read GTD in its entirety. I have picked up pieces and I mean, my productivity system is 100% analog, except for when I'm having a bad day and then it goes into OmniFocus for a little bit of clarity, but um, with that, I have adopted so many like terms that, that I hear, hear, you know, y'all talk about all the time, with, like a weekly review and inbox zero and things like that. Um, but I do wonder, and, and like as a productivity coach, I wonder is all of the talk about how you are productive, really all that necessary? How much has GTD actually affected you from, I guess, pre-David Allen's book and post-David Allen's book? Uh, So, well, I'd say two things. One is that I had heard about GTD many years before, and I was absolutely in the same boat you were in, where I was like, out of spite, like, I'm not reading this book. (laughs) Because I thought, you know, it's like, I had all these misconceptions about, like, about it. And then as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, this makes total sense. I could see that. That, like, it really resonated with me. So... Um, I, I kind of went from somebody who just had a somewhat like irrational, unfounded on anything, just, just, I don't like that, um, to really wanting to give it a try. And for me, the interesting thing about getting things done is that 
almost none of it has anything to do with getting things done. Um, it's sort of a misnomer in that the whole system is about kind of processing the inputs into your life into an organized way so that you're more easily able to get things done. But part of the process is hardly ever getting anything done. It's always kind of getting ready to get things done. Um, so it can seem like a lot of overhead. Um, but on the other hand, the notion is that you kind of are trying to capture everything that you would like to do, that you need to do into this trusted system. And then kind of once you have that system going and activated, right, you're it kind of spits out the things you need to do when you need to do them without you needing to worry a lot about it day to day. That's the promise. It doesn't, it, it takes a while to get there. That's for sure. Um, we were talking today cause we've both been at it for about a year that in the book, he says it's about two years um, before most people have their, their system really up and tuned and working and that they're really relying on it. Um, the way it's intended. So that's a that's a pretty long lead time to stay at something um, to get to the eventual result. So I could see why it's it. I'm very happy to have Gene in this podcast to be able to kind of spur along, especially when things get uh, a little tough. Well, I, I definitely think you know two years is a very long time, and and. You know, I just finished uh, Ryder Carroll's book, uh, The Bullet Journal Method, and he mentions giving uh, bullet journaling at least three months to to really start to make it your own. And I mean, I, I, I was like, I got stuff to do. You know, I can't mm -hmm. I don't know if I can dedicate three months, let alone two years to a system that I'm just trying to understand. Um, but I have definitely seen the results work in. Uh, people's lives, especially in the tech space. But that brings up another question because I think you are the second person that I've talked to that has worked for um, the big A at some point in their career. And you came, you said you, you started a few months before Steve Jobs made his return and then left uh, shortly before um, he he unfortunately passed, but I have always had this idea that the people around you help drive, motivate, and uh, kind of steer you towards the path that you're trying to take. And I just have to wonder, is working for someone so iconic like Steve Jobs, does that rub off on you in any way or did it rub off on you? Um, just in your day-to-day -day and even to this day? Um, yes. I never worked directly with Steve Jobs. Um, most of, uh, I mean, I'd see him around campus and what have you, but uh, I think my my one regret in working at Apple um, is that not so much that I never like went up and said, hi, Steve, and like, because he wasn't really a, you know, like, take a selfie with me kind of guy. Um it was more that there was nothing that I was working on that, that really was something that I'd be working with him on. Um, but on the other hand, just listening to him talk at like internal meetings at, uh, you know, um, 
when he'd give a keynote, when he'd give like anything that he said, right? Um, there would be kind of this communication of sort of this ethos of, you know, good design of kind of looking past the obvious and trying to find kind of maybe, um, the, the sophisticated or the, the, um, the elegant design beyond kind of the brute force solution. Um, and I think, I think even though, even for folks who didn't work directly with Steve at Apple, you could tell just talking with people in conversations that, 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 kind of ethos was there that that thought that you are trying to make something great for the customer um that it's it's better to take a little extra time to do it right and that maybe that thinking something through from what seems like the right solution up front if you give it some more thought maybe it's something beyond that that's even better um and you don't always have time to come up with that solution um but it's definitely a way of thinking that I think did rub off on me, certainly, and I think rubbed off on those around me. You know, that's interesting because it, it sounds very meticulous. And, I mean, you're a rock star. That's, that's what, like being meticulous and being a musician sometimes don't, uh, I guess, coincide. Has that put a hamper on like creativity or inspiration at all? That's a good question, actually. I'm about to completely say no, but um, I don't think it's because of the influence of Steve Jobs, but I, I do find that there are some people who are able to like do something very quickly and put it out into the world and maybe not necessarily care if it's super polished, whereas I prefer to do something that's super polished, um, and it's hard for me to let something go. Um, Honestly, one of the things that's been very freeing about uh, podcasting is that, um, you know, just as we're doing, we sit down, we record, and it's off the cuff, and it's done, and I'm not really going back and doing heavy edits of things, whereas when I did uh, my album of songs, we spent a lot of time in the studio and a lot of time listening and adjusting and what have you, Um in part because I really wanted uh, a nice representation of those songs that I had written and um, and didn't want to look back 10 years from now and say, oh, I wish we had spent a little more time like doing these things the way I really wanted to do them. Um, the other thing I would say is that I'm fairly meticulous about writing the songs, but because of the nature of our band where we definitely have different musicians in almost every performance. I'm not quite as meticulous about it sounding exactly the same in every performance. It's more about projecting kind of the spirit of the songs as opposed to um, kind of having like note for note musical excellence, I would say. It's more fun. Um, It's more about the fun and, and, and the spirit of the songs than it is about it sounding exactly like it does on the record. Cause it never sounds exactly like it does on the record with us. I think BB King said, you got to feel it. <laughs> you know, that's, Oh yeah. It's that, all about the feel. But I, I think that is, I, I mean, and, and it's weird because again, you're coming from kind of two areas that often butt heads. 
um, software development programming is a very logical, like this step, then this step, then this step, then this step. And then some of the greatest songs ever made, um, Hey Joe, well, the Jimi Hendrix version, mm-hmm. um, the entire Abbey Road session, um, you know, <laughs> a lot of these things were done with, we're just going to get up and do a thing. And even in my programming, I would say that I lean more to kind of the musician side of I'm going to build a thing. I'm going to build it the best way that I know how, and then I'm going to iterate on it 9 million times, but that's mm-hmm. not going to stop me from putting that thing out there. It's just another version. It's it's a remix to the original idea. And even this podcast, I mean, this podcast, it's called Productivity in Tech. And, and while we have talked a lot about productivity we hardly ever talk about the tech. And that was just because if the first five episodes of this podcast circa 2015, I think they were all about, Oh, using Todoist and Oh, using Evernote and all mm-hmm. these. And, and people get tired of the same old thing all the time. That's like musicians, like other than like Korean pop and kind of that factory, like that factory <laughs> manufactured sound, um, it's always the sound that's different from the rest of the crowd that draws your attention. Uh, mm-hmm. and I think that is something that developers, maybe not ones that work at Apple because design is so enforced, but developers as a whole and designers as a whole kind of have to harness, uh, that, that uniqueness given the same instrument of sorts. And, um, it's interesting that you mention as kind of things being in contention or butting up against each other. I, I always think of development and like writing songs, um, or even putting together a show. All of them to me are just different aspects of creative problem solving. Um, so, you know, software, you're trying to get something done. And yes, you're going to take logical steps when you write your code, but very, I mean, the process of kind of architecting something and taking in, it needs to do all of these things. It has all of these requirements. How are we going to get that done? Sure, there's logic involved, but there's also a, a, a creative process also. It's not you know, robotic. Um, similarly, like writing a song, you kind of start with the, at least for me, I get the germ of a song, but then there's a logic to it, right? Like what story is this song telling? Um, my songs tend to explain technical topics in a humorous way. So it's kind of like, what am I trying to explain here? Do these verses make sense in this order? Um, and then kind of getting into the rhyming. Um, but again, it's 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 a problem-solving issue um, that draws on your creativity. So to me, it's um, it's all sort of the same as opposed to thinking of it as very different things. They might be, you know, utilizing different aspects of your personality, your talents, but um, but in the end, you kind of have this a notion of something you're trying to achieve and almost always it's an, an experience right whether it's a software user experience um, with an app or you want somebody to feel a particular thing with a song or to laugh at certain places in a song um, or if you're putting on a show right do you want you know you're building you know what's the set list so that things progress 
um, you know, you have a high point, maybe bring it down a little bit. And what's the experience that the attendees are going to have? But they're all based on this idea of a user experience. So I, I definitely can't wait to hear your song on uh, setting up Docker containers because that is something that has baffled me for so long. <laughs> and I think I could use a laugh or two about doing that because right now I always just want to pull my hair out. Um, yeah, I Well, having worked at Apple for a long time, I cannot talk about unreleased products or songs. <laughs> um <laughs> But no, I, as far as I know, I have no Docker songs in the works, but uh, that might be an interesting one to do. <laughs> well, well, speaking of which, I mean, you, you've talked about finding the germ of a song. Does that usually come from, uh, I guess, banging your head against the wall on some code that you're writing? Or or is it just something out of interest that makes you laugh? Like, what, what have you discovered makes some of the best music? Um, so... For me, the things that tend to make the like the best music, oddly enough, it's usually good to do a song about a topic that people are somewhat familiar with, um, because then they get the jokes. If you do a topic about something that's brand new, people don't know the topic well enough to understand why this is amusing. Um, I'd say... In some cases, I've written songs specifically because I wanted to clarify in my mind a topic. Um, so I did um, around the time way back when, when Apple transitioned from PowerPC to Intel chips and their Macs, um, there was a switch from uh, big Endian chips to little Endian chips. So I did a song called Endian Reservations, uh, which explains Endianness and why it can be annoying. Um, and then, uh, let's see, another one that was something that I wanted to understand better for myself was a song called uh, about the designated initializer in uh, Objective-C. And the premise, well, not the premise, but the idea being that it got the better of me and explaining how being sloppy about overriding your super classes and it methods can, uh, can really bite you um, and explaining it in great detail. It's one of my favorite songs, unfortunately, um, in Swift, well, fortunately, <laughs> unfortunately for the song, fortunately for developers in Swift, they've changed how initialization works so that you cannot get into that issue. And in fact, at one point, uh, one of the Swift engineers, when somebody was asking about why is it this way, they referred them to my song to say, this is what used to happen in Objective-C, and now you can't do that anymore. So that was a fun moment to see to see that happen. You were a source of inspiration for someone. <laughs> and information. Yeah. I do find that if you're able to explain a technical topic in like a three or four minute song and like not technical, like technical at a very precise level, um, that that's probably a pretty good pithy explanation. I definitely agree. And that's something that I have had to uh, work on a little uh, just in, I think, effective communication. Uh, one, you know, being able to get across what you're trying to say without rambling or, or without 
<laughs> confusing people even more. That mm-hmm. that tends to be the, the path that I take. Um, and uh, I've learned that, you know, like you said, if you make it funny, if you make it easy to understand, and if you make it relevant, that tends to be uh, three of the easiest ways to effectively get your point across. And mm-hmm. is is that the same with – because I'm really interested in – the the musician who develops, I, I was once a musician and now I, I would be embarrassed if I picked up an instrument, but now I'm moving towards that full-time like marketer, uh, content creator, developer, uh, those roles, uh, and they feel so different, but at the same time, it's like they, they scratch different itches. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, first, what instruments did you play? Um, I was I was pretty much a, a stringist, so I, bass, guitar, or bass, well, bass, guitar, and like any type of acoustic or electric guitar. Um, I grew up in the in the South, in Georgia, uh, actually Tennessee slash Georgia. So my first concert was the Black Crows, and I had a wonderful opportunity a few years down the road to to play with some, some jam band artists and, Oh, nice. And get into that, that world and uh, a really interesting scene. Uh, I mean, I, I went to high school in Macon, Georgia. I lived in Macon for a while and um, the Allman brothers are everything there. And I, I actually had an apartment around the corner from Rose Hill cemetery where Dwayne Allman and Barry Oakley are both buried. And Oh, awesome. Um, but yeah, it, it it was always fun, but eventually I I just I don't know. I don't know why I gave it up. I I don't want to say I grew up because I didn't, but I uh I don't know. I just I fell in love with the technology side and helping people and the more and more I did that, the less I I picked up instruments and then somehow I got married and instruments started disappearing all over the place and mm-hmm. now I like I'm like where did everything go? So it's always fun to pick up a bass guitar every once in a while or, and, you know, play, play a lick to like the lemon song or, you know, do something like that. But ultimately I, I think I have a better career as a, uh, as a developer and content creator than I ever did as a musician. Well, if you're ever, um, if we're ever in the same town together and I'm doing a breakpoint jam, you are more than welcome to, to sit in on a song or two. Um, because that's how those work. Since I can't travel with a full band when I perform at tech conferences, essentially mostly other speakers, it's amazing how many folks in tech play guitar or some other instrument. Um, I kind of figure out who can play, who's willing to play. I send them kind of chord sheets and uh, practice tracks to rehearsal to rehearse to. And they learn up. The, they learn up. They practice up on the songs, and uh, then we put on put on a show that's uh uh like i said a little earlier it's always a different group of people every time um never the same lineup um people repeat show to show but um we've had oh people on guitar people on chapman stick xylophone ukulele trombone oh wow uh, all sorts of wild um I don't think we've had a kazoo yet. You'd think we would have those sh- that one of those show up, but um, yeah, it's always a different lineup, and um, it's always a lot of fun. So you'd be more than welcome to join us. I might have to look into that next time. Uh, 
I'm trying to think the the next conference that's in my neck of the woods is uh, Django Con, and I think they're going to have, they'll probably have the, uh, oh, what is that band? I think they're called, they're not the Django Knots, but it, it's something, it's a, it's a jazz band that uh, they tend to, it's Django, it's a Django related theme, so they usually book them. But, oh, uh, that would make a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm always I'm always interested in, in music and, and new music, and I mean, I, I guess the last conver- the last uh, question that I have before we jump into the after show is, how did you come up with the weekly review theme song? The It's so good. Like, I've had so many people that are just like, oh, have you listened to the weekly review? Yeah, their theme song's awesome. Like, so you have you have put out a hit uh, with that with that intro. That's awesome. Well, uh, uh, it's uh, so li- like I mentioned earlier that Gene and I had that conversation about doing a, a podcast. And at the time, actually, I was in uh, Las Vegas for a couple of days, kind of doing, I don't know what you call it, like a corporate retreat for my one-person company, right? Just going to a different location and kind of doing some brainstorming, doing like thinking about what I wanted to do next or what have you. So literally I wrote that song in Las Vegas um, In right after uh, Gene and I talked. I was like, oh, awesome, we get to do a theme song. So I wrote, uh, if you listen to the, the podcast, Kind of there's a short version, which is just the chorus up front, and then at the end is kind of the full version with a verse and a chorus. So I think I wrote the verse for it first, um, and I thought that was going to be the, the theme song, and then the next day I came up with the other part. And then I know that I'm terrible at like music production, um, but I had met uh, Jonathan Mann, who... Uh, is song a day man. He records yeah. a song a day. And uh, I had met him at uh, uh, the Yosemite conference a couple of times. And he sat in on our breakpoint jam. And um, so I contacted him and asked him to basically produce it um, because I always like his stuff. And also I know he can do a song a day. And if I were to produce it, it would have taken like at least six months and it wouldn't have sounded as good. Um, so he worked on it. I recorded the vocals. Gene recorded some backing vocals. And um, yeah, we were just thrilled with how it turned out. Um, he did an awesome job producing it. And uh, it is, it's one of my favorite songs that I've written. It's, I, I, it's nice and catchy. Gene and I always sing it together before we, uh, before we start an episode. Well, it, it definitely is catchy. And it's it's interesting because as I'm writing in my notebooks, regardless of what time of the week it is, it's it's always playing in my head. Like, oh, I need to plan my day, and then the weekly review, yeah, the, and it's like, ah, it's back. <laughs> Very catchy. Well, you did the right well, things. Oh, thank you. I was going to say either I'm sorry or you're welcome, depending on. <laughs> Whether you're enjoying it, having it in your head, or if it's annoying to you. Oh no, it's it's definitely a, a, a good thing to have stuck in your head. I've I've had 
many, many a, a song that I don't want in there. And, and I will definitely take the weekly review uh, any day of the week. Awesome. So I think that's going to wrap up the actual show. And you people listening, you know, everyone listening out there, not right now, but when we release this, um, I'm sure you're wondering, well, if that's the show, why is he still talking? Well, that's because in a second, James is going to interview me in... I don't know what we're going to call that show, but it's going to be another show and it's going to be available to people who support productivity and tech and all the crazy things we're doing or any of the podcasts that are lined up with the J and J media group, which is a company that I started another one um, to help inspire people to get out and create things. And we actually help people by handling um, whether it's podcast editing newsletter creation, social media stuff, um, all of those different things, video editing. That's actually a new service that we now offer. Um, and you can help support that by supporting, by giving one week of hosting to the podcast, which is $3 and a one-time donation gives you permanent access to all of the after show episodes. And the, I always say they're unedited, but they are edited just because my workflow will not let me just put something out there. Um, my neuroses will cause me to have a panic attack if I did that, but, uh, you get that access and more. And if you want to learn about that, there's a link in the show notes, or you can go to co-fi.com slash J and J media. Again, James, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on the show. Please tell everybody how they can reach out and connect with you. Oh, sure. Um, so you can, uh, find me at uh, jamesdempsey.net um, that's uh, my main site from there you can sign up uh, for uh, our mailing list it's a very low volume mailing list I hate getting lots of emails from random sources so I send out very few um, you can also follow me on twitter or micro.blog at jamesdempsey You've been listening to my conversation with James Dempsey. James, thank you so much for being an awesome guest on the show. Uh, I love talking about music anytime I get the chance to, uh, especially with other people in the tech space. We always seem to have a really cool insight uh, that uh, brings forth a really great conversation. Uh, once again, thanks to James for being my guest, and thank you for listening to the show. If you want to learn more about what Productivity in Tech is doing, then head over to ProductivityInTech.com or be sure to follow us on Twitter at prod underscore in underscore tech. And of course, thank you to Nadir Omawale for the use of his music, a hustler in spite of myself for the intro and outro. But that is going to do it for this week. I'm already looking forward to the next conversation that I get to have with someone awesome. And if you would like to be a guest on the show, then be sure to reach out to us either on our website. There's a contact page there or on Twitter, but that's going to do it for this week. I'm Jay Miller. I hope you've been productive. And I will talk to you later.